All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week here on the Bama Factor with Alex Taylor and Cody Saxon. I'm your host, as always, Alex Taylor, joined by my good friend and co-host, Cody Saxon. Cody, how you doing? Pretty good, buddy. Excited about this week's episode. Glad to be coming off a of W this past week. Get into it. Obviously, so um, obviously, just uh, as Cody said, you know, coming off of a Sugar Bowl win, as we previewed last week, uh, Alabama getting the win, and we're going to address that a little later. But uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Cody. He's going to bring you stats uh, from the game. In a second, but uh, Cody has a PSA that uh, he would like to um, announce uh, to start off the show and something that we're gonna, just going to talk about very quickly before we get into the actual show. So, Cody, I'll let you take it away. I do. I was scrolling through the old Facebook a couple of days ago, and I saw something that really irked my nerves. So I'm going to take the first couple of minutes of the episode to just rant about something. So I came across a comment from the TCU coach, Sonny Dykes. He said, and I quote, we don't have the good fortune to play an out-of-conference game like the SEC does in Week 10 or 11. You're not going to catch the Citadel in Week 10. We caught Texas. <laughs> okay, Coach. So let's let's talk about – he must talk about strength of schedule. He must talk about us getting it easy in a Week 10 or Week 11 game. Let's talk about who they played this season. They gave up 24 points to Texas Tech unranked. They gave up – they only won by one – touchdown against Texas who was right they only they gave up 28 points to Baylor unranked 31 points to Kansas unranked 40 to Oklahoma State unranked and 31 to West Virginia unranked 13 to Colorado unranked Tarleton State what the hell is Tarleton State 17 point don't talk to me 34 to SMU unranked okay so to get down to you he had the nerve to say something about strength of schedule. They played a plethora of ranked teams and gave up three-plus touchdowns on more than one occasion. I don't want to hear anything from anybody, and especially when they go in and play Georgia. I know there's some mixed feelings on whether we want TCU to win or whether we want Georgia to win. I've heard it both from all sides of the Alabama fan spectrum. But I'm going to tell you right now, TCU does not stand a chance. TCU is going to get smacked, and next season they're going to fall back to a bottom – maybe back of the top 25 probably not even ranked so i'm gonna have mercy on them now let's get into this <laughs> indeed and i would also like to point out that we beat the team that beat them in the big 12 title game and we beat them bad so precise just want to point that out and if that same alabama team played the tcu team we it would have been the same, oh. same differential if not more. oh oh not even close. Love it. But I will let you continue with the stats. Yeah. Now, get I'm a part of the old Bama factor. So, here's just some uh, a few stats for you real quick. So, uh, Bryce Young showed out in the Sugar Bowl. He showed out for sure. 15 for 21, 321 yards and five touchdowns. Excellent performance by him. Uh, Jameer Gibbs and uh, Miller put up a combined uh, between, between the two of them. So, Gibbs had 76, Miller had 44, and McClellan had 42. Everybody was getting a few touches. Uh, obviously, Jameer Gibbs getting the leading touches on that. Uh, Jermaine Burton and Jameer Gibbs led us in receiving. 87 uh, receiving yards with three receptions, and Jameer Gibbs had two receptions for a big 66 yards. Um, so those were the ones leading us. We had a lot of involvement, 40-plus uh, uh, receiving yards from five of our guys, so Definitely good to see there. Um, a lot of involvement. Kobe Prentice making some clutch play. 
uh, there, that 47-yard reception, him get involved with that. Uh, we've been preaching preaching on him having the potential all season. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, that's offensively. Um, and then uh, great offense. Uh, they did have 210 total passing yards, um, 18 for 35, 18 out of 35 for Will Howard. Uh, most of those receiving yards went to Deuce Fawn, or I'm sorry, that was rushing. Uh, rushing yards for Deuce Fawn was 133 uh, rushing yards. Definitely good numbers. We definitely expected that. We talked about that last week, him getting a lot of touches. Um, to be fair, in other aspects of the game, we were able to defensively contain them a lot. We did limit the productivity that Will Howard had on his feet as well through the air, um, holding him to just under – or just over 50% on his receiving – or I'm sorry, same percentage. Um, their receiving yards uh, weren't that high. Nobody broke 50 when it came to receiving yards. Um, three or four receptions to their top receivers, all for under 50 yards, like I said. Now, team comparisons real quick, and then we'll get into the, the meat of this. Um, Alabama and Kansas State were just about tied up when it came down to first downs. Um, Kansas State had 18. Alabama had 17. Now, total yards, 100 more yards total. Passing yards, they had over 100 more, and they were just behind, about 16 yards behind Kansas State when it came to rushing yards. However, penalties, Alabama did show uh, only five, Kansas State six. Um, and then turnovers, I think Kansas State had two turnovers, and we were able to limit our turnovers to zero. So we definitely were able to do that. And I do believe that it's very evident that we were more efficient uh you know, for as long as we had the ball. So we only had uh, 25 minutes while they had it for 35, and we were able to clearly put up uh, that many more points um, than them. So really, overall, um, definitely coming away with the win. Um, the point differential, Alex, you you about got it, buddy. You predicted it, and you were one point off. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was 45-21. 45-20 was the final. Yeah, absolutely, man. Definitely good showing from the guys. Definitely wish we had seen this kind of play all season. But I do think that everybody came to play. I do think that month of preparation and everybody, uh, they came to play. And no, no disrespect, definitely Kansas State definitely played a good game. Definitely, uh, I mean, we I think Alabama played them. Uh, they played the team that they were expecting to play. Uh, they were going to bring it hard and they were going to bring it fast, and they did. I believe that Alabama's preparation and their ability to play as one whole team. I do think that the leaders coming back definitely had something to do with that playing in this bowl game when they could have elected not to. And I think what Coach Saban said at the end of the game in the post the post game interview where he said all the right guys were on the field. He said the right the people who were supposed to be here were here today. And I think that goes to show a lot for the team and why we got the win. So having said all that, I'll let you go ahead and lead us into our next segment, buddy. All righty, yes, as always, uh, the stat master himself, Cody Saxon, bringing you the stats each week, and we've been uh, very appreciative of him this whole season as he's brought you the stats each week. And, yeah, just a great performance from Bryce Young, you know, just good performance from the offense and the defense as a whole. Um, now getting into our second segment, uh, Bryce Young can take a bow and the Alabama of old. Uh, so, obviously, Bryce Young in his final game in Crimson uh, just showed out. Uh, obviously, just went out on a very high note. Uh, I think a really good stat, Cody and I talked about it. He threw six incompletions and five touchdowns. And the fact is, he threw five incompletions – or, I'm sorry, all six incompletions in the first half. So, in the second half, he was perfect on passes. Like, he, he did not miss a pass in the second half. And I thought that was – Absolutely incredible. And on top of the passing, he did finish second in career passing yards and touchdowns as he um, 
as he passed A.J. McCarron on uh, Saturday for passing touchdowns. Uh, Tua led the way with 87 total for his career. Bryce finished, I believe, with uh, 80. So uh, really good, and you uh, considering that Bryce didn't have the freshman year that Tua had because Tua threw for, like, I think 10 touchdowns his freshman year. Bryce only threw for one. Uh, so that kind of shows you the testament that Tua threw the ball more his freshman year sitting – behind Jalen Hurts than more than Bryce did in 2020 sitting behind Mac. So, um, but definitely I think uh, just Bryce, I mean, the opportunity that he had to play in this game, I mean, it just, uh, it was a storybook ending from the time he arrived on campus, you know, to all the moments he gave us. And, uh, you know, Cody, honestly, when he walked off the field the last time and he, and it was his curtain call, uh, I got a little emotional. I'm not going to lie. I got, I got kind of emotional. Yeah, me too, man, for sure. When he walked off, I when I saw Jalen Milrow come in for him, I was like, it was just something about it, knowing that he was taking steps off the field, you know, for the last time. And, you know, we all expected and knew that he was going to have a great game, but I don't think we knew how great it was going to be and how, you know, bittersweet it was to see him walk those final steps off the field. Definitely definitely was a little emotional, especially when you go to grow, when you grow to have such an att- attachment to, to a player who's been able to carry your team and lead your team with the quality and character that he has. Definitely was hard to see, but definitely look forward to seeing what he brings in the next phase of his career, that's for sure. I look forward to it as well, and just uh, great to see him. And, just uh, and I mean, all five touchdowns were to five separate receivers. Obviously, Cameron Latu having one, Jermaine Burton having one, um, Ja'Cory Brooks had one, Kobe Prentice had one, and Isaiah Bond had one. So two of those guys are true freshmen. Uh, you know, Jermaine's coming back next year. Ja'Cory's coming back next year. Obviously, Cameron, the only one he threw to that isn't coming back next year. So, I think the receiving core as a whole also really stepped up as well. That's something we're kind of talking about now. Alabama really looked dominant, just kind of like you said in the opener, you know, what we've been wanting to see all year long, you know, the team we've been wanting to see all year long. And, and uh, I think they dominate all three phases of the game. Uh, you know, the, and, you know, I think the defense finally had a complete game aside from the first two drives. You know, Kansas State, you know, kind of went down, you know, kicked a field goal on their second drive, and then, you know, Deuce Vaughn had the long run. But I will make it a testament that he had 133 rushing yards. But after that long run of 88 yards, I believe, he had like five carries for like 110 yards at that point, and that was in the first quarter. So for the rest of the game, we held him to 23 yards. So I think after that long run, after he burst that long run, you know, we really keyed in on him. I think the defense really did a good job. Um and, you know, as I was saying, the wide receivers really stepped up and grew really in the last four games. You know, I saw Brooks and Burton and Bond and Kendrick Law and Apprentice just really grow up in the last games, really seeing the the receiver core really be the type of – and the type of core that we knew they could be. And, you know, like I said, you know, they were caught by Brooks and Burton, Bond and Prentice. And, you know, all those guys are returning next year. So, I think that's a testament to how good this unit is going to be next year. Yeah, I agree 100%. Definitely, uh, definitely dominated – uh, the three and you know going back to the defense real quick uh, of course obviously offensively getting that kind of versatility with all uh, four different you know receivers and all that that's great offensively but defensively you know how I've been on it all season talking about if we just played as a unit played cohesively on the same page filling in the gaps reading the gaps doing all that that we seem to have not been able to get down as well <clears throat> this season as we have in seasons past I think we saw that this game and then going back to the other side, man, like you said, the promise that we see all these guys coming back and everything we see with the potential, I do think it's going to be interesting to see our quarterback situation get worked out. But once we do get that worked out, I'm sure uh, that, you know, with the opportunities that he has with all these players we're going to have coming back, 
it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Definitely going to be a promising season for next season. Hopefully, this 10-2 and two will turn into a national championship next year. Yes, that's what I'm definitely hoping for. And uh, speaking of the and speaking of the defensive side of the ball, uh, Brian Branch, uh, have yourself a day. Uh, I, it could have been an argument could have been made for him to be the Sugar Bowl MVP. I mean, I know Bryce had the game of his life as well. Six incompletions to five touchdowns, 321 yards. Um, that's a great day. But Brian Branch, man, uh, he he, I I think he earned himself a first round NFL draft grade, if I do say so myself. Yeah, man, you heard me all game talking about it, man, for sure. He showed up. He was on the ball, on the players. He was everywhere, man. Every time there was like a, oh, man, play, it was him. And it was incredible to watch. And every time, every time it happened, I was I just it was so impressed by him. And I do think that one game can make a big difference when it comes to his, uh, his draft stock. And I do think you might be right coming in uh, mid to back end of the first round. And I would not be surprised or disappointed to see it. Oh, for sure. And just, uh, you know, the way he was tackling, I mean, uh, had a career high, I believe, 13, 14 tackles and, and uh, you know, the interception, how he broke on the ball in that interception, just the anticipation of the throw and just um, he was there he for several incompletions. Uh, you know, he had some tackles for losses as well. Just played like that his whole career. We knew he was a headhunter, knew he was a – I mean, he was a five-star for – a reason, you know, now he's going to be a potential first-round NFL draft pick. Going to be a very, very, very good hybrid player for some NFL team this time next year. So jumping into our third segment, speaking of uh, uh, guys to also really, um, really start to step up. Um, obviously, you know, we talked to you a couple of weeks ago about the top recruiting class that uh, the Crimson Tide had just signed. Um, but now they really get to show their – skill set one more time coming out of high school uh, as the Under Armour and Army All-American games have been uh, are being played. The Under Armour game was played uh, two days ago on Tuesday. I believe the Army one is either played Saturday or potentially next week. Um, but here's the impressive thing. Uh, Alabama had 12 of their signees play in the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, Richard Young, running back, cornerback Jaleel Hurley, safety Tony Mitchell, cornerback Desmond Ricks, linebacker and edge rusher Quay Rousseau, defensive lineman James Smith, wide receiver Jalen Hale, defensive edge rusher or end, I'm sorry, Jordan Renaud, quarterback Dylan Lonergan, offensive lineman Olis Aylinen, uh offensive lineman Miles McVay, and defensive lineman Hunter Osborne with a 12 to represent Alabama in the Under Armour All-American game. Richard Young had a very good week, said that uh, his acceleration was very good at running back. They said Jalen Hale looked like a wide receiver one, said that nobody could cover him all week long. Uh, Tony Mitchell, Desmond Ricks were playing very well together um, as well. Uh, And then the Army All-American game, uh, the Crimson Tide have six of their signees. Uh, Caleb Downs, the number one safety, Johan Pierre, edge rusher, Justice Haynes, our other running back, Caden Proctor, our number one offensive tackle, Keon Keeley, the number one edge rusher, and our other quarterback, Eli Holstein. Been hearing great things about Keeley this week. I've seen footage of him. He's unblockable. Johan Pierre is unblockable. Caleb Downs is just the athlete he is. Justice Haynes is um, cutting very well. Um, Caden Proctor is blocking very well as well. So a total of 18 of 28 reps. Of our total recruiting class, 28 commits, 18 of them got All-American honors in high school. And, Cody, I think that's just a testament to tell you how good this class really is. Yeah, man, it just goes to show that not only do the talent we currently have on the team, how impressive it's going to be moving forward, for especially for our younger guys, some of our freshmen and whatnot, but this upcoming class, um, 
now we start to kind of see after after these few weeks that we've seen with our recruiting class that uh, now it kind of makes a little more sense why all those guys are jumping ship into the transfer portal because I think they've seen this. I think they've seen this potential of these guys coming up. I do see a lot of our potential starters in the next one or two years being younger guys, freshmen, sophomore, and juniors as well. So it's definitely an impressive class, definitely impressive numbers, and I can't wait to see all these guys get on the get on the field in the red and white and, you know, help help the tide roll to a national championship either next year. Hey, next year and the years to come. Come on, bring us hey, I'll take it. I would definitely take it. And uh, also some other news updating from the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, one of the biggest surprises on signing day uh, didn't actually come for the Tides class. It didn't come for any class, really. But the number one corner in the class, Cormani McLean, um, who was originally verbally committed to Miami, did not sign on early signing day, said his decision was still up in the air. He was scheduled to sign that day, but he did not. Um, and he was an Under Armour All-American. He was playing there this week. But Richard Young, as Cody and I have talked about, Richard Young, one of our running back signees, who has been the best recruiter for the Crimson Tide in this class, he flipped Keon Keeley, he flipped Caden Proctor, He's landed several other guys and got them to come to Bama. He said in an interview at the first of the week for the Under Armour All-American game, there's one more we got down here. I'm not going to say his name, but there's one more. He's here, and I'm going to get him. And sure enough, we come to find out that it is Cormani. They were roommates this week. They're very close friends. And I'm not saying – and Cormani has pushed his signing to January the 15th. It's down to between Miami, Alabama, and Colorado. Now – Prime, you know, trying to make a late push. He doesn't, you know, whatever. If he sticks with Miami, he is from the state of Florida. I understand. But Richard Young really pushing this. And Richard Young is three for three on this this year. And I found it kind of amazing, Cody, after the game. I just want to see your panelists. After the game, Cormani McLean was posted up with all 12 of our signees after the game for a picture. So that's got to mean something. Yeah, man, definitely. If and Even if it doesn't. Uh well, I highly doubt it doesn't mean nothing, but you know what I mean. Uh, nah, it, it's definitely got to it's definitely got to be a sign that even if he doesn't join, he's bonded with these guys, which can only help Alabama's case. But even in the end, like you said, wherever he goes, uh, we wish the best for him regardless. But yeah, the fact that he's shown a bond with these guys, what's up with them, definitely seems like there might be something swaying in our direction. It does, too. And, you know, Richard Young said, you know, he's been tweeting and, you know, he said, you know, Bama Nation, I'm working on him. And, you know, he tweeted at him again. He said, Cormani, come home and you know where home's at. And even the other recruits have chimed in, you know, to help out Richard Young. He says, you know, come home, you know, come compete, you know, come to the standard. And if that is the case, the future secondary of the Alabama Crimson Tide will have the number one corner from this class, the number two corner from this class, the number one safety the number three safety, and the number four corner. That is a heck of a secondary for the future. Yeah, for sure, dude. That's going to be uh, very dangerous. So, super good class. Uh, I watched the Under Armour game. All of our guys performed very well. Uh, I'm going to watch the Army um, All-American game as well. Can't wait to see those guys. Can't wait to have these guys on campus uh, as well and get to see them in the spring as well. So, now jumping in to our final segment. Uh, we're just going to talk about some of the momentum that the team has headed into 2023. Obviously, Cody and I talked about last week uh, the fact that we thought, you know, if, if you can win this Sugar Bowl, you know, that 
really what the testament that it does for the team of the guys coming back and the momentum that it gives you headed into the next season, especially to beat a conference champion, to win a good bowl game, you know, to uh, kind of restore some of the honor and the prestige of that bowl game. Because, uh, you know, in recent years, uh, you know, Alabama did win it in 2017 in the CFP semifinal. But prior to that, it hadn't been too kind to Alabama. You know, they had lost in 2014 in the CFP final. They lost the year before to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. And they had lost to Utah in 08 in the Sugar Bowl. So we're trying to kind of redeem themselves when it came to just playing in the actual Sugar Bowl when it didn't have any CFP or, or you know, PCS intentions tied to it. Um, uh, so the Crimson Tide broke that streak. So just a couple questions that, you know, we're kind of going to throw out there, some opinions we're going to throw out there. So I think the one that everybody wants to hear the most is the quarterback battle. You know, who replaces Bryce Young? Bryce Young, special athlete, one of the most special ones I think we've ever had. So how do you replace a guy like that? Well, obviously the two guys that are currently um, leading the race right now and, and are going to be the two focal points of the offseason are going to be Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. So just as of right now, Cody, just from what you've seen and what you've heard um, – who do you honestly think has the edge going into next year? And what do you think the spring is going to tell us? I think I, – I, th- I don't think right now either guy has an edge currently. I think that what we saw from Melrow was he has good legs, but his arm was shaky. And we a lot from Simpson actually on the field in play during big games. So, um, I think that – you know, my I've, I've made my stance pretty clear in weeks past about Milrow, uh, how I believe that he would fit perfectly into a different offensive scheme. And I think we should take advantage of that because it is the way the game is heading, the triple option, the run-pass option style of play. Now, having said that, I think what you said there just a second ago, the spring is what we're going to see. I think Milrow does have an edge in the sense that he has played with the team. He has played with some of the – now, they haven't been able to make a lot happen, but he has played with these receivers – and I think if they can get him into shape when it comes down to getting bullet, like pinpoint passes, get him into playing well under pressure without having to necessarily move his feet, playing well in the pocket under pressure, as well as incorporating him, getting outside the pocket, possibly doing option plays as well. I think that he is the guy, but Springle tail. I think the Springle tail, and I won't be surprised or disappointed either way it goes. I think that Saban and the, and the coaches that we bring in in this offseason, which I know we're going to get into that, but – I believe that that kind of thing is – I believe they'll make the right decision moving forward, but I do think it is going to be Milrow, but, hey, we'll see. Yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, I definitely think that, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, him already playing with the guys, you know, kind of has that edge up. But, you know, I think they're going to get the same amount of reps. You know, I think they're I think they're each, you know, in the pre-scrimmages leading up to A-Day uh, this year. Uh, I think they're each going to get opportunity to run with the ones. Uh, they're each going to get opportunity to try to lead drives. And just like Saban said, it's the guy who – comes into the room and takes the bull, you know, by the horns. And it's the guy who wins the trust of the team. And it's the guy who – that the wide receivers are going to trust most. And if the team overall is saying, you know, this is our guy. And Saban always says it's always the team that tells you. You know, the, the team's attitude will tell you. The team's, you know, body language will tell you. Their their feedback will tell you, hey, this is our guy. Like, you know, this is the guy that we trust. And so I definitely think it's going to see – you know, we're going to see good competition, and I think it's going to be good. So really the second thing, uh, other potential competition as well, with Jameer Gibbs headed to uh, the NFL, um, Jason McClellan returning for his senior year. Obviously, Rondell Williams is returning for his senior year as well. Uh, does Jace take over as RB1, or do you sense some competition there, especially with Jamarian Miller coming on like he did at the end of the year and throughout the year, and especially with these two hotshot freshmen? 
Do you see some competition for Jace, or do you think Jace uh, kind of has RB1 sol- uh, solidified as of right now? I think that he, I, personally, I think he has it solidified going in. Now, I don't think that that's going to – I'm not saying that the other guys aren't going to see plenty of reps when it comes down to the season next season. I think that they're going to get a lot of play time, just like just like Jace did, just like Williams. Like, we this whole season, we, we saw numbers crazy. We were expecting Gibbs to get 100 yards and, you know, Jace not to get many touches. And in the end, it ended up being Jace getting half the touches but twice the yards. So I don't think necessarily moving into the next season that it's going to be like he's going to carry 80% of the load. I do think he's going to be RB1, but I do think it's going to be evenly distributed throughout the run game. Maybe we'll see him get a little more involved in the pass game like Gibbs did this season, you know, screen plays and even stretching the field with him. But I think after what we've seen from him this season, being able to pull up in big time and take over when Gibbs wasn't necessarily being utilized by the offense properly, to fill in those holes, being able to sometimes even outperform. I know it's not a competition between players, but sometimes outperform Gibbs this season. I think that has locked him in. But like I said, I think we'll see a lot from all of the guys next season. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, with the, the room that we have, you know, with Jace, with Rodell, with Jamarian Miller, who I think is a great up-and-coming tailback, with Justice Haynes, with Richard Young, guys who have high work ethic. I fully believe with the quality of room you have, the competition they're going to use to push each other. And the fact that we can have a one, two, three, four, five, six punch next year if we want to. And, you know, I think that'll definitely keep teams on their toes and make it harder for teams to defend an offense that can have multiple tailbacks uh, come in. And, Keeping with the offense, uh, the other two important things, uh, as we said earlier, the wide receiver core is going to be deep. Um, everyone except for the transfers, obviously, Treshawn Holding, JoJo Earl, and Christian Leary were the two were the three transfers out. Kind of reserve players, not really much of starters. Uh, Treshawn was at the beginning of the year. But with those guys out, um, you've got everyone else back, Jermaine Burton-Brooks, uh, Kobe Prentice, uh, Isaiah Bond, Kendrick Law. you got some new faces coming in. You know, obviously, Jalen Hale, uh, Cole Adams, uh, coming in as well, um, you have um, a few other guys coming in. Uh, you have Jared Hamilton, um, whose nickname is Turbo, so I like it already. But Malik Benson from Hutchinson Community College, number one JUCO player in America, the number one wide receiver, obviously, practiced with the team the entire Sugar Bowl practice, all 11 practices said he was really turning head, said he is a can stretch the field, is a speedster, six foot four, two twenty, Julio Jones like. That's gonna be a wide receiver one potentially for whoever the quarterback is next year. And I think with him coming in with his experience, with Jermaine Burton coming back and ending the season like he did, Ja'Cory Brooks being a junior in a season vet, and all these freshmen like Prentice and Bond and Law who played so well this year being yeah. I think the wide receiver core is going to be not only the is not only going to be the top receiving core in America this next year, but definitely the deepest as well. Yeah, I think that's something we. I feel like, you know, going back to when we were a little bit younger, coming up in the Alabama fanhood, we always saw so much depth in running back positions. We always saw. I mean, you had star after star after star, Heisman mention after Heisman mention. We would. We would see that for so many years. And there would always be one really big wide receiver star, Julio or a Cooper, that would really outshine the other people on their offense. I think now we're starting to see uh, 
the wide receiver depth that we've always seen at running back now. I think that this uh, wide receiver core we're going to have next season is going to be so deep, and I don't even know if there's a need to talk about a wide receiver one. Heck, everybody on that field might be Mm -hmm. getting involved just as much as the next guy. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see, definitely interested to see uh, what Malik Benson's able to bring and all these new guys and all the returning guys. Uh, You know, right now I think Kobe Prentice is probably – sparked the most interest for me personally after just seeing what he's been able to do so interested to see for sure it's going to be great to see whoever the uh, quarterback ends up being they are definitely going to have plenty of hands to throw that ball to for sure and 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 that's what I'm looking forward to next year and I think just with the way they played the last couple games of the season it's going to be dangerous to see what they do 2023 and running out the offense you know the offensive line is going to be pretty solid you know Tyler Steen and um, Ekior Jr. are leaving for the draft uh, but, you know, we do return uh, Tyler Booker, uh, all-freshman SEC this year, first team, uh, freshman All-American, uh, played very well in the bowl game. Seth McLaughlin returns at center. J.C. Latham will more than likely move to left tackle. Uh, so really just finding a right tackle and a right guard. Uh, but, you know, I feel like we have the guys in the room. I feel like Caden Proctor, the number one offensive tackle in America, could come in and compete for that right tackle position. We've had a lot of freshmen start at tackle positions. Cam Robinson started. James Carpenter started. Andre Smith started, so you know we've had a ton of guys start at tackle. I mean Jonah Williams. I mean, the, I mean, I mean it just goes on and on and on. Evan Neal. I mean, so you could say all day long a lot of freshmen to start at tackle or guard their first year on the line. Eric Walford, I think, is doing a great job on the line, and I think it'll be pretty solid again next year as well. Now the key thing is jumping to the other side of the ball. The defense does lose a little bit more than the offense. Obviously, uh, some key guys leaving. Um, but first and foremost, the, the biggest question mark is who replaces Will Anderson? We have Turner and Braswell returning. Um, and we definitely think those are the two guys for sure. But do we see Keon Keeley play? Do we see Johans Pierre play? Do we see Jeremiah Alexander, the number one edge rusher from last year's class, hop in? Like, so – I think Turner and Braswell are the two that will. And Braswell and Turner I have no problem with. I think they're going to be a tandem just like Anderson and Turner were. But I think Keeley and Pierre can really push some of these guys for some playing time. I think those two guys, from what I've seen on film, are too good to be kept off the field. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, – I think not to mention, like, Toa Toa is a loss as well, you know. We're going to have to fill in a lot on defense, but I do think the guys we have with Turner, Braswell, Keeley, and some of those other guys, I do think we definitely have the uh, the potential to fill it in well. Um, I think it goes back – I know I've been preaching on I know I've been saying it, and I know it's really broad and bland to say, but in all reality, if they can play together well, it's not about individual play, especially on defense. It's about cohesive team play. And if those guys can get the proper coordinating as well as the proper – intensity on the play and they can execute well together and fill in each other's gaps be able to read what the other maybe the other ones don't see stuff like that I do believe that we definitely have the guys to fill it in I know Will Anderson's a big loss I know he's gonna go on and have a great career same thing with Toto but I do believe that we have I I think we have the guys to fill in I think we do as well and you know just kind of going off of that you know just you know we're gonna see a lot of other new faces on that side of the ball as well inside linebacker is one uh, Henry Toa announced that he is going to the draft. Uh, Jalen Moody is going to the draft. So there's your two starters from this year. But I think Deontay Lawson, definitely one of them, you know, who started 
four games this year and played in, I think, every game this year, especially starting in the Sugar Bowl, had a great Sugar Bowl showing as well. We'll be able to take over at inside linebacker next year um, as one of them. But Justin Jefferson, the, the number two overall JUCO player in this recruiting class coming in, headhunter. You know, Quay Rousaw is also one that can uh, have the potential to, to uh, compete as well, the number one inside linebacker uh, as well. So, um, and you got Kendrick Blackshear. So you've got a lot of guys, you know, that can really help that room and really compete in that room. I'm, I'm excited to see who brings it next year. Uh, Jordan Battle and, and uh, Helms are also going into the draft uh, as well. So our two safety positions are vacated. But I think, you know, Malachi Moore coming back, he's going to be a good option at safety. Caleb Downs coming in, I think, and this is just you've heard it here first. Cody, quote me on this. When this happens next year, Caleb Downs will be a day one starter. Okay. He will, he, he will be a day one starter. I think that guy is too good not to be. He's locked it in. Let's see. Think that too good. So, and then I think you got, you know, with Eli Riggs declaring for the draft, you know, you you have a corner spot taken as well. Uh, and Earl Little Jr., the five-star corner commit from last year, once Eli Ricks tweeted that he was going to the draft, he tweeted, my turn now. So Earl Little Jr., a lot of, uh, a lot of um, very good potential and a lot of good hype around him uh, to replace him. You have Terron Arnold coming back. You have a good recruiting class coming in, especially with Ricks. If we land McLean, even better. Hurley, Tony Mitchell. But Kool-Aid is back next year, going to be one of the veterans in the secondary had a great year this year, was the number one rated corner in college football with PFF grade, uh, and that's pro football focus for people who do not know. Um, but just absolute amazing year from that. And then, of course, on the line, on the front, you know, I think Byron Young declared, DJ Dell declared, don't know about Justin Aborgby yet, but Tim Smith is back, Jamil Burroughs is back, uh, Jamarian Latham is back. Um, we have some guys coming in, you know, James Smith, the number one defensive lineman coming in. You know, we have Edric Hill coming in. Isaiah Hastings is there. Jaheim Otis, can't forget about him, freshman All-American. So the front's going to be good next year. But I think once you get all the new faces on D and they get playing together, just like you say, Cody, cohesiveness on the same page, communication is key, get that signal caller in the middle. And, uh, you know, we have the athletes and um, – it's just all about, like you said, playing cohesively and playing as one. And then if we do that, we're going to be scary because we got a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, and then speaking of that, um, to go with the offense, the, the new offensive coordinator, obviously O'Brien's contract has not been renewed. Uh, 99% sure he is gone. Uh, it would surprise me if he came back in a twist, but uh, to see who the new OC is. But in a new development, here from the Bama Factor podcast tonight, you have heard it. Uh, a rumor has been going around. Paul Feinbaum talked about it. A couple other places talked about it. That Ole Miss is potentially trying to hire away Pete Golding, Alabama's defensive coordinator. So, does that open the door for Jeremy Pruitt again? Does it open the door for Glenn Schumann from Georgia, who graduated from Alabama, who was a grad assistant under there? So, New defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator as well. Um, Cody and I have talked about it, and we say we think that's the change that needs to happen is to get some of these guys in here. You know, I'll take a Dan Mullen and a Jeremy Pruitt right now. Yeah, for sure, dude. We've been talking about the need for change, and I do think that with the guys we have and the depth we have and the ability to grow into the team we need to be to see success, either way, I think that 
and I've I've cut a little more slack on Pete Golding than I have Bill O'Brien. But either way, I see that the best turn for this team is for Nick Saban to get some more guys in there that are like minded like him. Unfortunately for Pete Golding and for Bill O'Brien, I don't think that the expectation that that Saban had for the team and all of the fans had for the team this season it definitely wasn't lived up to. Although we did have a, in the end a successful season per you know per se with a Sugar Bowl win eleven and two. However. I think replacing those two guys is going to be a big step into moving forward in the dynasty, in the franchise, in this team being as successful as possible. Let's see who we get. I'm interested to see. Definitely a lot of names on the table. Definitely a lot of names that have been whispered about. Um, But hopefully we will get some new guys and we'll be able to lead this team that will be able to lead this team to uh, a championship for years to come. That's very true. And then now as we get into our final thoughts and we begin to close the show – I think the I think the thing that we saw in this game against Kansas State, I think really from what I saw, the players were having fun. They were playing loose. They were playing like they should have all year. No pressure. Just going out there and play, dominating like they do. And I honestly think the Bama factor in the culture was restored because, as I said, Saban said all the blinking lights are gone. All the distractions are gone. All the negative players are gone. And as you said at the beginning of the episode, Cody, the players who needed to be here and wanted to be here were here. The guys who wanted to play were here, and they played for each other. The guys who didn't want to be here, Saban gave every transfer the opportunity to play in this game, and they all shut it down. So that shows you that they did not want to buy into the process. It shows you they didn't want to buy in to what Saban had to preach, didn't want to become a champion, didn't want to do the work and stay and grind and be a champion, get drafted, get to that next level and achieve and be the highest and the best player they could possibly be. They want to take the easy way out which I just have a strong opinion about that. I agree with Reggie Ragland. Like I've said, three weeks in a row, if you don't want to be here, then, you know, get out. So, and I think they did. And Saban said the blinking lights are gone. So I think the Bama factor was restored and the culture was restored. And I think that's huge going into next year, huge going into the offseason for the team's character standpoint. And uh, that's kind of my final thoughts wrapped into that as well. I think, I think honestly, just, just, uh, Good season at the end of the day, not one wanted, but good way to finish the season. Roll tight as always, and uh, I'm looking forward to the spring. Yeah, absolutely. Me too, buddy. Uh, definitely a good way to finish the season. Um, uh, good all-around potential leading into next season. Excited to see what we're going to see. I do believe you're right. I do believe that Bama factor was restored. And I know people necessarily – not everybody likes the dynasty reference. I do. I think we are a dynasty. I think we start to see. You got the shirt that says it. <laughs> That's right, baby. Yeah, I wear it to the games too. I do start to. I think that this is going to be a, a restoration period. This was a season where we didn't necessarily we fell a little short of the mark that we expect, which is a championship every season. However, um, I do think that moving forward, we are going to be able to prove uh, once again that we are that standard, the capstone, and everything that everybody knows deep down that we are. But having said all that, right before we close up the show, Alex, if you want to do a little coverage on what we've got from uh, DeMar Hamlin, uh, the NFL player. Of course. Of course. Uh, Thank you very much for that. Um, And, you know, just hearing from all of us here at the Bama Factory, you know, our thoughts and our prayers, our deepest prayers go out uh, to the family of Hamlin as well, to the mother, the father, uh, brothers, sisters, you know, teammates, the whole Bills community, the fan base, the team, the coaches, uh, the whole NFL community, and just the outpouring of love and prayer and support that every NFL team has had for him, uh, to the whole Pittsburgh community as well, where he played college, to all of his organizations that he is a part of and that he runs. Um, hearts go out to you. 
as well. But um, heard good updates today. Heard that um, he's going down on the ventilator each day. So, you know, 100% the other day he was having to be on it. Then it went down to 50, and now it's down to 25. So great news. Heard that he woke up. He wrote on a whiteboard, and he asked who won the game the other night. Um, said he's blinking his eyes. He's responding uh, to treatment well. Uh, said that his lung capacity is looking very good. Um, said he's actually very responsive. Said he's not really talking yet because, you know, he's still kind of on some of the sleeping medication they put him on. Um, but, uh, you know, the next few days are still crucial for him. But uh, it definitely seems to be trending in the positive uh, direction. So um, very, very glad to hear that after a very scary situation on Monday night. Uh, so very glad to hear that. We'll be keeping you updated. Um you know, each week on this as well. But, you know, we're just very happy to hear that he is, um, that he is alive and well. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, we pray for his speedy recovery. I know he's got a lot of support around him um, as well as his charity doing very well, which that is a positive in this whole situation. So, you know, we continue to pray for that. And uh, once again, like Alex said, thank you all for listening this week and every week to support throughout the season. Uh, And I'll go ahead and close out my end by saying roll tide, Alex. As always, and uh, yeah, just to reiterate, uh, we have had such a good time with you guys this football season. Uh, it's been such a blessing to uh, cover it the first season with you guys. Uh, but uh, I want to say it in the words of uh, Nick Saban, we're not finished yet. We are not going anywhere. Uh, we will still be covering basketball. Uh, we're kind of transitioning now. Uh, we're going to take a little break from football Um as far as, you know, coverage of everything right now. But, you know, uh, still we'll be covering stuff on the page. You know, offensive and defensive coordinator will definitely still be keeping you up to date on that on the page if anything huge happens about the hires and everything like that. Uh, we'll be keeping you updated to see if Cormani commits. Um, but as far as football, we will not be doing anything podcast-related until Spring Central comes around, and we'll be talking about some of the spring practices, talking about some of the scrimmages. Uh, that we will be getting news from. And, of course, we will be definitely covering A-Day. Um, I believe that uh, I'm going to try to talk to my co-host and see if we could potentially go to A-Day this year. And the Bama Factor can get some live coverage for you that year uh, so we can talk a little bit more about you. But we will definitely be talking about spring practice all the way leading up to A-Day. We'll, we, we will talk about the summer. We'll cover SEC media days. We will cover the NFL draft as well. We'll be talking about the draft. We'll, we, we will have a draft special on here. But uh, we'll be covering basketball uh, for the next few months uh, as the Crimson Tide do take on Kentucky this Saturday. Um, the Crimson Tide are ranked number seven, sitting at 12-2, and 2-0 and in the conference right now. So we will be covering, and I'm going to say it, Alabama's run all the way to the Final Four. So, um we will still be bringing all this. So still listen in to our podcast each week. We will just be switching sports just very shortly. But all I can say is roll tide and God bless everybody. Roll tide.